0: all right welcome to the oklahoma drill we got uh, another basketball episode for you part two of our draft coverage and a little bit of news uh so
1: which means it's it's definitely going to be a
0: long one so strap in yeah it's gonna be so long that was sam here with me alex is here too and uh all right where do we start where do we start I it's just want to a-
2: start by saying that it's it's really nice to not have to do the intros and the outros. <laughs> That's by far my least favorite You part can
1: really hear the sweat that. coming through Alex's mic when he has to do it. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> not a comfortable thing for me. Um, yeah, and I already had to do a phone interview today, and it was awkward. Oh, so wow. Yeah. No I'm thanks. i I don't like do this. Um, all right, so I think there's really only one place to start. If you know, we're talking about NBA, obviously, today, um, football is coming at some point, but I've been literally racking my brain about things that we could talk about, and I just can't come up with anything good enough. So I'm just like, let's not do it. Um, but we're going to start with Kevin Durant uh, tearing his Achilles. Uh, this is one of the kind of shittier things that I've seen in a long time. Like It, it just sucks so bad. Tough. Um, this is arguably the best player in the NBA who is, I mean, I think he's 30 years old. So he's like right in his prime. Um, and now, now he tore his Achilles and, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, really sucks about this is that where we were finally going to get to see what prime Kevin Durant looks like, because I don't think we've really seen that over the last two or three years because of the situation he's been in where it's been like, every now and then he will have a big game, but he doesn't really have to do it. So Mm -hmm. none of it's really mattered, you know? And so like next year, presumably with the Knicks, like that dude was going to be option a B and C for them in all likelihood. And that was going to be just really fun to see what that actually looks like from Kevin Durant at the peak of his powers.
0: Yeah. It's, um, God, Achilles injuries are just awful. Um, I can't, how long is it going to be before he's able to play again? Is he going to miss the whole next year? You think?
2: Yeah, I think, I don't think there's any reason for him to play next year, you know, like especially, I mean, maybe if he were to like re you know, pick up his option with the warriors or something like maybe you, you know, maybe you could come back for the playoffs or something next year. It's like a full year away. Mm -hmm. um but if you're going to the knicks and you're not playing for the year like they're not going to be good so like there's really going to be no reason for him to play next year yeah uh, if he's on a not championship caliber team you know yeah
1: it's so weird to like evaluate you know what kind of deal he'll get this offseason because of that like i think bobby marks from espn was reporting that he talked to multiple general managers and they're still, like, he's still a max player, obviously, but it's, like, such a weird thing to think about a guy getting a max deal when you know he's not going to play a full season. So, like, what does he get? You know, two years of a max deal or something? Is that what he wants? And then, like, it's just... Yeah. To see see what comes of his contract this summer will definitely be interesting. He should just... He should sign a 1 plus 1 and...
0: Just have two free agencies back to back. I, I mean,
1: oh go don't,
2: ahead. Don't you think that he'll be more likely to want to sign long term now? Like yeah, like, I think so. yeah, I think
1: it's definitely yeah. like he'll want a four year deal now instead of like I think it definitely could have been a one plus one situation, right? Where you know he's perfectly content on proving himself and then getting a, another max deal after that, but it's like. Yeah. You if you take the 1 plus 1 or a 2 year deal or whatever, you have one season coming off of an Achilles injury to prove that you're still a max player after yeah. that and I don't think anyone um, is willing well, it, to take that risk.
2: And you're talking about, you know, those teams like what the hell do the Knicks have to lose, man? Like they they should be offering him literally whatever he wants. Like if he requests a 1 year deal for him to just sit out and rehab, with an understanding that they'll offer him four years after that, I would do that in a heartbeat if I were the Knicks. Like, oh yeah, what, what other oh, options yeah. they have? It's
0: Kevin Durant. You know, even if he comes back at like eighty percent, that's still a max player. You know, that's still a seven foot tall player who can shoot from everywhere. Like, right? There is not yeah. a there's not a scenario in which Kevin Durant is um, not yeah. a max player.
2: Yeah, like that dude, like he's not gonna be Kobe who was like thirty five years old after he tore his Achilles or thirty six, I think, when he came back from his Achilles injury. He's pro- he's you know, if not the most physically gifted player to ever play, he's in the top three. You know, like he's a guy right. that can really afford if there's ever a player that could afford to have an Achilles injury and still be effective, it's Kevin Durant.
0: You yeah. Know? Well, we and we've always talked about KD as like as he ages, like he just Like, there will come a point where he just becomes Dirk Nowitzki, and, like, that's fine. And I think, like, this might just accelerate the pace at which he becomes Dirk Nowitzki.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, like, yeah, he might just have to post up more, and Mm -hmm. in which case, like, he'll be the best post-up player in the league, probably, you know? Yeah. and you know, he'll, he'll probably learn how to pass better out of the post. And then you'll run a really effective offense through Kevin Durant in the post. Like, pretty much, if you have Kevin Durant, you're going to be able to run an effective offense pretty much any version of him, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I, I I don't think there's much more to say about Kevin Durant. Like, there's obviously, obviously there's the philosophical, like, should he have come back and, like, what, you know... What did he have to prove in doing so, and did the Warriors pressure him or anything? But I don't really care all that much. Like the yeah. fact that like he came back and hurt, got hurt. Obviously, he came back too early. Like there's no question about that. But um, so yeah, do you have guys any? Do you guys have any last thoughts about Kevin Durant before we move on?
1: I mean, not really. There's not really any original take that we're gonna have that anyone else hasn't. I think it just like a lot of this. I don't even know. It'll be interesting to see if anything comes out of how much pressure the Warriors put on him. I think a lot of this has to do just with how shitty fans have been to KD since he left for Golden State. And, like, you know how much he reads into this and just the narrative of around, like, how could he bail on his team like this? And so I think a lot of it was, you know, the fan pressure, the narrative around Kevin Durant's time in Golden State, like, that brought him. If, he, if he's the one that made this decision to ultimately come back too early, like kind of like, I think Sam Vassini, I don't know if it was him or Coleswick or called it a great tragedy. And like, it really is that, you know, he could be so affected by just what the general public thinks of him, not as, he, as a basketball player that it brought him to this. And then yeah. this ended up happening to him.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, it's well, also like understandable. Right. Right. Like we I like if that was the case then man, I like I feel that. Um but you know, I also think that a lot of people like basically the biggest fight here is whether or not you think that the warriors pressured him to come back and like nobody absolutely nobody has like any sort of scoop on that. Like that information is not extant.
2: I I mean, there have been reports from, like, the big boy reporters around the league that, like, there were whispers in the locker room from players and just the organization that they were just not necessarily, like, pressuring him to come back, but they were just kind of annoyed that he wasn't back yet, you know? Right. Like, come on, dude, We, we really need you. Like, not necessarily, like, I don't think there was anything outward, like, yo, why aren't you back yet? But I think there was just some, like, silent pressure in that locker room mm-hmm. that I think he felt and felt like he needed to get back and try to help them win. Um, and I, I think all, like, what you know what you guys said, that the his image really played, I think, the biggest role in it all, though. And yeah. that he knew that if he didn't come back and they lost in five, that he would be destroyed narratively, you know? Right. Like the, just would, you know, he would have been this like pansy dude that wouldn't come back and fight for his team, which right. is just an utter. It's an utterly ridiculous way to think about right. sports, the way to it, look at these guys. Like, And it's also like a
0: complete no win situation for KD, because if he doesn't come back and they win, then it's, well, see, they didn't need him. Right. right? Like, wait yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's. There's, there was no way for him to escape like public scorn from this, and that's just, and that's been the case ever since he decided to go there, and like that was obviously right. going to be the case ever since he decided to go there, um, yeah. and
2: well, and but, I think that the overall, I mean, you know, this has been talked about, and here we, here we go, we're going way too long, yeah, uh, but I think the overall, just the way people think about sports, it probably needs to change a little bit because, like. I mean, we tend to glorify guys that, you know, beat the odds or fought through the pain and everything, and you know, without like not even intentionally, that makes guys like Kevin Durant that, or even Kawhi Leonard last year, like that guy sat out because he wasn't comfortable. That dude got killed for that, you know? Right? Like, people right. didn't understand how could you sit out a full season of your prime you know, just because, you know, you want to get traded. It turned into, like, he didn't want to be there, so he was just pouting for an entire year, you know? So I think that, really, like, it needs to be evaluated that these guys know themselves better than anybody else, and if a guy doesn't think he can play, like, forget what any doctors say, forget what any teammates or anybody in his own organization says. Like, these guys know their body better than anybody.
0: Right. Um, And god this like this is a huge problem in sports everywhere um it's also like it's also a huge problem in football because you get like this is really related to like the coded language when we talk talk particularly like nfl guys around the draft talk about guys who like really love football right quote-unquote love football and what that means when they say that is this guy's not going to get too mad if he has to play through a concussion like that is like just i don't know our understanding, our like society's approach to sports and like toughness is just so busted. Um,
2: well, and but- it's like the ultimate thing is that we don't we don't think of athletes as human beings.
3: Yeah,
0: like that's
2: really what it comes down to. Yeah, is that these guys are entertainment entities in our brain, and so therefore we don't look at things through the lens of them being human beings, and we just aren't concerned for their well being because you know what do we care these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to do something that we in our heads would love to be doing
0: you know right right um yeah i don't we're I done. Think we move right on. let's move yeah. on
2: uh because there's been some pretty big news the last couple of days uh, regarding anthony davis um and all the signs seem to be pointing to a trade to the lakers um You know, Woj reported today that the Lakers and the Celtics are both, uh, deeply engaged in independent trade talks with the Pelicans. Um, so I want, I want to talk about the Celtics a little bit later, but I want to start with the Lakers because it actually seems like things might be lining up for the first time. Like everything that's gone wrong for them and everything that they've done wrong, like most of the things have been self-inflicted, um. It seems like they might be in the driver's seat to pick up another top five player to pair with LeBron James,
0: right? Which is so annoying, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um. Right. So where where does this
2: start? Um, well, I guess I guess the way to you know start with is what if you're the Lakers at this point? What are you guys? willing to give up like there's a rumored trade package already which of course there are because the lakers can't keep their freaking mouth shut during trade talks but um what what would you guys be willing to give up for a guy like anthony davis if you're the Uh, lakers
0: um i think probably their most valuable their most valuable assets i think are either brandon ingram or the fourth pick right um yeah do you guys feel like those are roughly comparable
2: no, I, I think I the do. fourth is probably a little bit more valuable, honestly. Right. A lot of that has to do with the fact that Brandon Ingram's about to get paid and um, he's got that blood clot thing.
0: Right, right.
2: It doesn't seem super serious, but it has the potential to be serious.
0: Right. It's gonna scare the crap out of every team because of Chris Bosch. Yeah. Like
2: So I kinda I kinda feel I feel like the fourth pick is probably the highest value. I think If you were like, I think honestly, Lonzo should probably be the highest value, but I don't think that's how he's viewed. No, no. by most people.
0: Well, he's Um, like a—he's a point guard who shoots fifty from the line, so no one's gonna.
2: Right, but he's not really a point guard, you know. Uh, Like we nominally, he plays that position, right? But that's not how he plays offense. So, like, I look at it as he's just a guy that does stuff and helps you win. Mm -hmm. You know, like. He's kind of like I don't. I mean, this might seem drastic, but I kind of think of him as like the guard Draymond Green. You know, like he's just does all the little things. He's a really mm-hmm. good defender, um, and I think he's only going to get better. Like the dude has a track record before he got in the NBA of shooting like at least decently. So like, there's it's not a hopeless situation that he won't ever make you know a decent percentage on free throws and on like catch and shoot threes.
0: Right. No, I uh yeah I can see that but it's God, si- actually really similar to Draymond Green in that I have just absolutely no handle on how they're going to shoot at any given time. And also, they both shoot kind of funny. Um,
2: right. Yeah, well, but, uh
0: Yeah, so, like, yeah, I think, like, Lonzo's valuable. But I also think that if I'm the Lakers, I'm going to keep Lonzo because I think he play- pairs really well with LeBron.
2: Yeah, no, I think so, too. But, like, so what what's the package that you're trying to give up for Anthony Davis like because the one that's been thrown around today is that they're willing to give up Ingram, Lonzo and the 4th pick and like that just seems way too steep for me like honestly I would probably you know you probably do it at the very end if you can't leverage the situation which I don't have any faith in the Lakers doing that, but if they were a competent front office, I think you could leverage a situation where you could keep one of Ingram or Lonzo. Right. Because where where are the Pelicans leverage here, man? Like, what what are they going to do? It's not like they have a bunch of other offers that can they can be like, well, if you don't give us Lonzo, we're going to go take this other offer that's way better than what you're offering right now. You know? Right.
0: I think I, I mean they have all the time in the world now. So, I think they're just they're starting bidding high, but if I was the Pelicans, I would be happy to take Ingram in the fourth like that yeah. is I think that's plenty of get back for them, given that they will get uh-huh. Zion like and yeah. like that is a great young quarter build around, even and like you could say you're you know you have to pay Ingram, but like the Pelicans can do
2: that <laughs> like yeah, um so yeah Like yeah. I- think For Ingram and Kuzma is probably a solid get. You know, like I, I, I don't mind giving up Kuzma. It seems like they want the three things that are on the table and Kuzma, and like to me, that just seems like way too much. What do you, what do you think about this, Sam? Yeah, if if I'm
1: the Lakers, I definitely don't do that. You're kind of in a catch twenty two situation there, though, because you're, you should be reasonably confident that even if you can't get a deal done for him this year that you end up getting him next offseason for free. But it's like yeah. you're in L.A. You've already had one season where you missed the playoffs without LeBron. So, like, you're going to lose fan sentiment, like, fairly soon if you don't do something quick. So it's like you kind of have to give up stuff for A.D. But, I mean, you, you don't want to give up literally everything else around them except LeBron and A.D. Um So, yeah, I think if you i i would probably if you truly can't get a deal done go up to ingram the fourth pick and another thing um i wouldn't give up both lonzo and kuzma and i still think even if you do give up one of those you should want at least some sort of role player back like yeah. maybe etuan Moore from the pelicans he could be he's a serviceable player or depending on because the reports right now are that the Pelicans would like to get a third team in there involved to get an established player in a team that would be interested in the fourth pick. And then the Pelicans get an established player. There's not a lot of teams off the top of your head that come to mind to get an established player, but maybe that whatever that team is could also send a, you know, capable role player over to LA to like make it, palatable that you're giving up so much for ad right
2: so i just i just saw a uh an idea and it is very related to the thunder i think it was a celtics writer that um and he wasn't like framing this from the celtics point of view but he was just talking about how the the pelicans they don't want that fourth pick they want an established player and the guy he threw out um as a player for that would be steven adams right and yeah,
1: Kevin I O'Connor that, has but... recently said the same thing.
2: Okay, yeah. And, like, Adams and Zion together is kind of clunky to me. Uh, yeah, I don't like that at shooting all. Bit. But that's also, like, the most physically imposing front line, like, you could imagine. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting. I mean, I think it's kind of dumb. I If I were the Thunder, I would do that so oh, fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even care. Like, the Thunder would be a worse basketball team next year with the number four pick than they are with Steven Adams. But I don't even care. Like if you could yeah. get rid of that salary and add a value pick in, at number four, like give me Jarrett Culver. I don't give a crap. Like give me Jarrett Culver and we'll roll with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. All right. So I want to move on. Like the other team that we we mentioned are in, uh, you know, talks with the Pelicans are the Boston Celtics. And I can't for the life of me figure out why they are. Well, I guess I can figure out why. I just don't think it makes sense. Like yeah. they, I think at this point, the Celtics see it as that they are kind of having to do something to try and keep Kyrie. Cause I think they know that they're going to lose him at this point, And I think they might see Anthony Davis as that, that chip to keep him, but that's not going to do it. I don't, understand why you would think that a guy that says he's going to leave in a year regardless of anything that happens is going to help you keep Kyrie Irving long term like maybe you could get Kyrie to sign a one year deal and like try it out but then you're at the risk of losing both guys next summer you know what I mean so it just doesn't make any sense because in order to compete with an offer from the Lakers you're going to have to give up probably Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum Um, and that just seems insane. Like I like both of those guys and I think that might be a better package than what the Lakers could offer, but like, that seems insane to give up both of those guys for a chance at keeping two guys that probably don't want to be in your organization. Yeah, no,
0: that's a terrible idea. And, but I get because like Anthony Davis and Al Horford is like perfect, but no, like they're going to lose Kyrie. You know, they they just they need to be prepared for the fact that, like, they're going to have to rebuild again. Right. And like, that's rough and annoying, I'm sure, uh, given <laughs> it is so fun. Next. Hey, next year, are the Nets going to be in a better position than the Celtics? Almost. Well, Kyrie goes there, probably.
1: Um, yeah I think if Kyrie goes there definitely right. and that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> like who could imagine this um,
2: right. well yeah so yeah the Celtics they're kind of screwed um, something I've been kind of thrown around is like you know they they're gonna lose Kyrie Irving like it's just gonna happen I wouldn't try <laughs> to keep him you know like you can't Without doing anything drastic, you're not going to probably be able to change his mind. Um, And I think they have enough young talent that you can pivot pretty easily to building for the future. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that I think might be a good idea for them to do that isn't necessarily on the surface a for the future move at all. But I kind of like the idea of them trading for Mike Conley. Um, Okay. And let me explain. Uh, I don't think they would have to give up anybody important off of their team currently. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they have three first round draft picks this year. They have a bunch of future picks. They have a lot of pick capital that they could use on Mike Conley. Um, And I think they could just absorb his contract into their cap space if they lose uh, Kyrie. And if not, I think they could throw together some kind of minor guys and not really have to give up like a Jalen Brown or anything of that sort. And I kind of like the idea of having Mike Conley and Al Horford um, together with those young guys, you know, and you still have Gordon Hayward, who is going to be another year removed from that horrible injury. Yeah. So you might be able to put together a really good Eastern Conference playoff team with Mike Conley, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward and Al Horford. Like to me, that's a really good basketball team. And what I'm looking at for as in terms of the future, um, I am my entire focus would be to develop Jason Tatum in the way that is the most effective. And I think that, you know, a guy like Kyrie Irving was not a good fit with Jason Tatum at all. But I think a guy, if you're putting guys like Gordon Hayward, um, Mike Conley and Al Horford around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, I think those are kind of ideal fits for those guys to develop because honestly, I mean, if you're talking about number one scoring option, it's still going to be Jason Tatum. Yeah. And he's going to have nice supporting players around him um, for him to develop. And I, I think that that could be a really good way to kind of move into the future. I think they might wind up being a better team next year um, than they were this year because things might just fit a lot better. Um, and then I think you could pivot in that way instead of, you know, trying to go drastic and just keeping Kyrie and trying to convince Anthony Davis of something, you know, without having a Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the roster.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's an interesting idea. I like, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I think that that would be a fine thing for them to do because, but like part of that is just because I don't really know what the alternative is. Other than to just like let Kyrie walk, probably let Terry Rozier walk because I, I feel like that they, they would end up overpaying him if he stayed.
3: Yeah. Uh, and
0: just uh, letting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown be bad for a year, letting Horford
1: walk, and then yeah, like... so you're probably letting Smart if you're trying to get Conley or moving Smart in that right. deal, wouldn't you think?
2: Yeah. Probably, yeah.
1: God, I Marcus Smart in
0: Memphis—that's incredible. Yeah, that's
1: that's. Talk about identity.
2: Yeah, right. I don't I just don't think of that as like a big time give up. Like, you know, I like Marcus Smart, but I mean I don't think he's really like a key player to a team right. moving forward, especially in the future. So um, yeah, I don't know. I like I really like Mike Conley, obviously. I mean, I've thrown around ideas for, for trading Russell Westbrook for him, but mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you could maintain your ability to be a legitimate not necessarily a contender, but you're going to, I think you would get out of the first round with that team, you know? Mm. Um, And it would just, you would be moving Jason Tatum up in the pecking order and he'd be able to develop around like just really good professional basketball players. Al Horford, Mike Conley, Gordon Hayward, all of those guys are known for not being like alpha dog guys that have to get their shots. They always make the right play, you know? And if you have a team built around, guys that always do the right thing on the court, and then you've got a guy like Jason Tatum who could be an elite scorer in the league, Like, you might have something there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, okay, so anything else about this kind of stuff? Any other no. news items? I don't think there is. Not really, no. So we're going to move into the draft, draft mm-hmm. talk. And since we're so close to the draft – we were going to do another one after our last one. There was supposed to be a part two to our last podcast, but I was gone for a couple weeks. So it just was not able to come together. So we're going to spend pretty much the entirety of this draft talk, um, talking about how the thunder could approach the draft, like players that we like for the thunder, maybe mention some players we don't like for the thunder. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be very thunder centric,
1: um, right. Well, I want to start by saying, the Thunder yeah. are at twenty one right now, and I don't think they make a pick. Right. Yeah. This, is so. the, this is the first. This, <laughs> this is, is the first thing the Thunder can do with their pick. This will be a fun. Yeah. This will be a fun, fun exercise in which Sam Presti says tells us that we did it for nothing, but right. We'll, we'll still enjoy doing
2: it. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I've really grown to like a lot of guys in the like latter half of the first round this year like i think there's a lot of depth in this draft if there's not even though there's not like the superstar potential after Zion um yeah. there's guys i like um i will say like as far as you know there you know i think the main rumor we're kind of going off of is the i mean there was the one from Shams that said the thunder were trying to dump salary with this pick and then Adrian Wojnarowski i think yesterday came out and said that the thunder are being very aggressive and they want to acquire veterans, um, to help the team win now. Um, which I think is a, a good idea. I mean, if you're, if you're all in with Russell Westbrook and Paul George, I don't think that, you know, Nigel or not Nigel, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is really going to help you a ton next year. By I
1: super time- don't think Nigel Williams Goss is going to help you.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly- <laughs> Yeah. Um, Oh man, I was kind of low key high on Nigel Williams-Goss when he was Same man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think that you know the way that I view the Thunder, I would probably go ahead and make the pick because I think there's a like there's just a ton of value at hitting on a guy on a rookie scale contract, and you might you'll have control of him for eight years if you want to. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on on how the what they should do. Um, but what we're going to do is Sam and I have both come up with five players that we really like for the thunder. Um, five, we each have five different players. And what we're going to do is we're going to pitch our list to Ryan. Who Ryan is not, uh, doesn't follow the draft as much as we do, especially like late first round prospects. Yeah.
0: Well, the thing about that is that it would require me to watch college basketball.
2: Correct. Um, and so what I'm going to ask Ryan to do is to come up with a top five list from the players that Sam and I have pitched to him. Okay. Right. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to require some, some listening from Ryan. He's going to have to pay close attention <laughs> to right. our takes and, and keep things organized. Maybe, maybe get a, a notes thing. Don't again.
0: worry. Yeah, I got, a notes, I got my notes app
1: open. Let's do this.
2: Alright, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let Sam start with his first guy.
1: Alright, I'm gonna start with my first guy. He's definitely the highest on most draft boards. Probably unrealistic that he'd fall to twenty one to the Thunder. Um, there was one mock draft that Alex sent me the other day that he did. But that would be PJ Washington from Kentucky. He is a sophomore at Kentucky, you don't get those a lot. You know, Cal likes his one and duns, but PJ Washington came back for his sophomore year and drastically improved. He's he'd be he's six foot eight, two thirty, with a seven foot two wingspan, so very capable uh, of defending bigger players. He's like a stretch four that could be a good small ball five. He definitely has the length to do it. You'd want him to bulk up a little bit more. Um, he's a great rebounder as a four. You would definitely, if he was playing the five, you'd want him to be a bit bigger. But at the four slot, he's he can rebound fairly well for being six eight. Uh, this past season, he shot the ball really well. He shot forty two percent from three. Uh, granted, it was a small sample size, but it was a major improvement from what he did his freshman year. Uh, just all around, he's kind of like a when Patrick Patterson was still good. He's kind of that's kind of the comparison <laughs> I like for right. him. Um, he just does a lot of stuff well. He's a solid defender. He's not like locked down. He's not elite off ball defense, but he's he's solid and not going to put a hole in your defense. Um, I just think the the growth that he made from his freshman to sophomore year uh, was was very telling of the kind of player he'll be. I think regard he has a very high floor um, and just going to be a solid player for many years okay I got some questions okay real
2: real quick can I can I I'm gonna kind of come in with yeah so we're whenever
1: one of us pitches a player Alex is gonna pick nits with the guys that I give you and I'm gonna play devil's advocate for the ones that he gives you even though we agree on a lot of the same players we got to do our due diligence and yeah let you know the downside I'll let
0: I'll let I'll let mister I'll let the devil's advocate go and then I'll ask my questions
2: Cool. Yeah, this is going to be a ridiculously long podcast. And I'm very excited about it. Um, <laughs> so I I don't have a lot of concerns with P.J. Washington. If he were there at 21, I would be ecstatic if the Thunder were to take him uh, because I agree. I think he's got the potential to be a better Patrick Patterson, and I think that kind of player is what the Thunder need. Um, my biggest concern with P.J. Washington is that I think it is a possibility that he becomes like just a four like and will not have a lot of positional versatility Um, because like you know he is gonna have to bulk up a little bit if he wants to play the five much and Mm -hmm. you know so that is a bit of a concern I question whether or not his shooting is real Um, he did improve a lot on a pretty small sample size from three took about two a game this year and his free throw shooting only went from 60% to 66% on a bigger sample size So that, to me, is my concern. I do really like that he's a good rebounder for his position. I tend to think he would be able to play the small ball five. And I think that him, uh, he would fit really well with both Jeremy Grant and Steven Adams. Okay.
0: Um, Well, Alex answered my questions, which was I wanted to know. His sample size, like when we say small sample size to a game, is small but not insignificant. Uh, 66 right. from the line is really concerning to me. Um, do you guys know, how many threes did he take um,
1: as last a freshman? Year?
2: Yeah, as a freshman. He took 0. .6 per game. And okay. He shot 20, 24%. So
0: okay, he he so, improved
2: a lot from his right. freshman sophomore year.
0: And that is that is like a significantly higher sample mm-hmm. size yeah which to me that suggests that maybe the shooting is real but yeah. my problem is it doesn't line up with the free throw shooting in a way that
1: i enjoy right i think it, it falls somewhere in the middle there probably around somewhere between like 36 38% um which if you're on the high end of that 38% from your four small ball five like i think that would be great uh, right um think, how many yeah, free throw attempts did he take a game
2: uh he took uh let me see real quick. This five, past five, five season, five yeah, game, basically.
0: Five a game. Okay, that's yeah. that's that's enough that that number feels pretty real.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. He's going to have to improve um, just overall right. shooting-wise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess – I mean, the last thing with him in terms of just, you know, the downside is that I – you know, there are some guys that um, come into the league and they – showcase skills that you didn't see in college. I don't expect PJ Washington to be one of those guys. I think there's a pretty good idea of what he's going to be. And I think his ceiling and his four are pretty similar and that he's just going to be a role playing four um, that's going to be able to hit some catch and shoot threes, but I don't see a lot more than that from him. Okay. Um,
0: no, he's got, he's got some decent size wingspan. Uh six eight. Uh what
1: is he like athletic? Like he's he's above average athleticism. He's not okay. like a freak or anything, but he, he wouldn't get played off the floor. Right. We like more athletic than like Patrick Patterson is presently.
2: Or... Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. For sure. Okay. All
0: right. I think PJ Washington's an interesting prospect. Um yeah,
2: keep keep him in mind. Right. Uh... I'm going to move on to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, he is by far my favorite prospect that is in the Thunder's range. Um, and I, the thing that I like about him the most is that he's just a well-rounded basketball player. You know, the Thunder, I think, pro- might have the fewest well-rounded basketball players in the league, um, and that they have one. Um, so I think that... <laughs> Nikhil Alexander Walker would be a really valuable uh, addition to the thunder because I think he could play, you know, either backcourt guard position. Like he's not going to be like this super big time creator at point guard, but I think he could be a really nice secondary ball handler. Like you could play him next to Russ or Paul George pretty effectively. Um, He's a good shooter. He shot 37% from three this year on four and a half temps a game. He shot 39% as a freshman on four and a half attempts a game. So that didn't change. 77% free throw shooter. Um, his assists, that was really where he saw the biggest growth. His assists went from one and a half his freshman year to four assists a game. Um, so he's just a guy that can do a lot of things. He averaged 16 points a game this year. Um, so, yeah, I I don't necessarily think he's this high level of a defender. But I kind of see some Malcolm Brogdon with him. Um, and that he's just he just knows how to play basketball, and he's he's not a nuclear athlete or anything, but he is just good at basketball. He can do a lot of different things, and he's kind of that you know perfect you know just do it all guard. Okay, yeah, I
1: I like Nikhil Alexander Walker too. Not a lot of gripes with him. Um, another like PJ Washington, probably not going to be there in the Thunder's range, but it's fun to dream. Uh, really, the only things. I have with him negatively. He's not crazy explosive, um, so he'd definitely be someone I think you'd want defending... Um, he Like, he wouldn't be great defending cutters and stuff, which he'd be, if he's playing next to Russell Westbrook, he'd be defending probably more cutters as opposed to ball handlers. Um, he also... he's He played a lot of lead guard at Virginia Tech, but he probably projects as more like a two... Being like he'd be he would be a good secondary playmaker, but how much secondary playmaker is there to go around when you, you're playing next to Russell Westbrook? Um, other than that, yeah, very good shooter. Not great off the dribble shooting, but if he's playing next to Russell Westbrook, he again wouldn't be dribbling much. He'd be off the catch, mm-hmm. and so that wouldn't be much of an issue. Um, but yeah, really a really great prospect. I like has a very good length. We'd be remiss not to mention that he's the cousin of Shea Gilgis Alexander because everyone has to bring that up whenever they talk about him. Right. Because that makes, automatically makes him better.
0: Yeah. Is his jersey going to say Alexander Walker like Gilgis? I would like assume Shea's so. Jersey? Just like Is a full be...
1: wrap around the numbers.
0: Right. See, that's tempting just for that. Um. It's a good look. Just looking I'm at some... Yeah. I, uh, I've taken matters into my own hands and I've just pulled up his basketball reference page. Um, let's see here. So when you talk about him as a defender, um,
3: how does, um, where was I going to go with this? How do you think,
0: um, his defense in college was affected by the team around him?
1: Honestly, I didn't watch too much Virginia Tech, but I mean, Buzz Williams is a solid coach. Um, so I think they're. I think he. They have. They had a solid team defense, um, and he had some other solid players around him. So I think he he fits really well into a team setting, and you never really saw him get exposed, okay. just because Virginia Tech was a pretty well coached team
2: yeah I definitely uh, he projects pretty well as like a, the, a team defender like he's not yeah. a guy that's gonna be like oh go lock down this you know don't put him on Lou Williams and expect him to shut him down but I think you put him on just an average player he's gonna do his job and just be smart about how he approaches it you know and that's one of the big things that I like when I was looking through players for the Thunder to draft is the Thunder just they don't have enough smart players and right. so that's out of my number one thing that I was looking for.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, And what's his wingspan?
1: Six, nine and a half. Okay. So yeah, very, very good length. Not the explosiveness to defend. Like he could get blown by, but his length could cover up for a lot of that. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that projects some switchability, good team defense. Yeah. I'm picking up a lot of what you guys are putting down about him. Um, All right, Sam, you're number
1: two. So, Alex talked about how the Thunder don't have a lot of well-rounded players, and my next guy is probably one of the most well-rounded players, and it's another Kentucky guy, and that's Keldon Johnson. Um, he's really just, like, he's not great at anything, but he's good at a lot of things. Like, a good shooter, he was 38% from three on 118 attempts his freshman year, this year. Uh, 70% from the free throw line on 155 attempts. So, a good shooter uh he has good length he's six foot six uh with a six nine and a quarter wingspan so he's a like kind of projects a two three um, could definitely play next to paul george he very high effort defender um great rebounder for his size just like not not a lot that blows you away, but definitely enough he's he's not going to get played off the floor. he's easy to fit in to an offensive and a defensive scheme, just everything. You're, you're, you are you're might not notice him a lot on the court, and that's a good thing. Right, right.
2: Yeah, okay. so my deal with Keldon Johnson is that everybody I've ever heard talk about him, they don't actually think he can shoot. <laughs> um, like, he's... He put up good stats, but nobody actually believes in the shot. I haven't watched enough of Keldon Johnson to have like a fully formed opinion on the matter. Like he obviously the stats look fine. I think I heard a stat that he shot in the 30s from the free throw line in SEC play. Um, like was insanely bad to end the season uh, from the free throw line, which is obviously a major concern because anything below 50 percent from the line is that's pretty pretty epically bad so to me he kind of seems like a guy that had a nice like shooting start to the season and then it just kind of tailed off towards the end of the year
3: hmm.
0: right um i'm looking for what it's worth in in conference it in total he shot 69 percent from the free throw line
2: okay yeah oh, I
1: there think, you go Imagine i think you do what said said magic number.
2: Right. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it might not have been like a, the whole, you know, obviously it wasn't the whole season, but I think mm-hmm. there was some stretch where it was like the last month of the year or something like he was below 40% from the line. So that's yeah. my concern with him. Um, I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I question his basketball IQ a little bit, um, you know talking about, you know, me wanting the smart players. And I, I'm not sure that, um, he's that kind of player. And I, I like the way the Thunder develop players in general, but I kind of question their, either their ability to develop basketball IQ or whether or not basketball IQ is even something that can be developed in most players. So, um, yeah, I think he's a guy that would need work in that regard. And I just question, whether or not it's possible or if the Thunder are the team to get that out of him.
0: Right. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just looking over. It's pretty, like, it's pretty clear that in conference play, he went into a shooting slump, shot only 32% from three in conference as opposed to like 38% overall this season. Um, like to me, the question is like when, pe- when people say they don't feel like he can shoot, is this like a Malcolm Brogdon thing? Where it's just like, eh, it just doesn't look good.
2: Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Right. Uh, I think I think that has something to do with it. Like generally, like that's how it goes. Like if a guy's shot and his form looks good, people trust that he's going to develop the shot. You know, I know Cam Reddish is one of those guys that the shot looks good, but he's just not making him right now. Um, so generally that is the case whenever if it just doesn't look good then you kind of tend to not believe it. Yeah, right? you'd Sometimes certainly like, not- like
1: more of a sample size with a guy like that, but yeah. just being there one year you're not going to get much. Right. right.
0: Um no, I think that I think there's some there's some concern to be had about Kelden
1: Johnson. But uh I'm not like I'm not turned off on him. Right, and he's been one that's been kind of falling down draft boards a lot recently since the end of the season kind of a late lottery pick to mid first round pick towards the end of the season. And now through workouts and different things like that, he's kind of falling towards the back of the first round. So the the yeah. sentiment's definitely turning on him from the NBA, but still, I think a good solid all around player, but maybe not one that excites you a whole lot. Right. I'm con I am concerned about his turnover
0: percentage in conference play. It's pretty high. Um, yeah.
2: Uh I'm going to go on to the to my number 2 guy. Yeah. Um I have Nick Claxton uh from Georgia. He's a center from Georgia. Um and generally, you know, when I approach the draft, I'm honestly I kind of ignore the center position <laughs> a lot of the time. Right. You know, especially high in the draft, I'm like you don't need to take a center unless it's Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid or something. Um, but when I look at the way the thunders roster is constructed, I actually think they could really use a center, um, to back up Steven Adams. And when I look at centers to back up Steven Adams, I want a guy that is almost completely different from Steven Adams. Um, and that's to me is Nick Claxton. Like that guy is honestly kind of reminds me of Nerland's Noel. Um, he's got, he projects to be like a pretty impactful defender. Um, you know, he has all the physical tools to do it. He's kind of skinny. I think he's. Sam, is he listed at 6'11", 220 right now?
3: Yeah. He
2: is. Um, and so, I mean, that's pretty similar to what we have with Nerlands Noel. And I just think that if you were to give the Thunder a guy with the physical tools of a Nerlands Noel, to me, that's the kind of guy that the Thunder could do a really nice job of developing into a really good defender. Like, mm-hmm. um, New Noel was going into his I think his fifth year in the league so like you know he kind of was the player he is by that point and so there wasn't a whole lot they could do for him but I think you get a guy like Nick Claxton he's only coming he came out after sophomore year Um, I think that he has a lot of potential to be a, a really impactful defender and you know when I'm looking for a guy to be a backup center I'm looking for a a guy that can stay on the court. You know, if we need to pull Steven Adams because he can't stay out there because of switching or whatever, I want my backup center to be able to do that. And I think that Nick Claxton could do that.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So one, one of the reasons he was a big riser after the combine, he's a sophomore from Georgia and rumors, you know, he was one of the last to decide whether or not he'd come out. Cause he's kind of projected, early second maybe possibly late first round but one of the reasons he rose so much is that the combine they forced forced players to switch every screen so you got a lot of bigs you know Taco Fall trying to guard you know some Jared Jared Harper some of the faster guys on the perimeter right. didn't work but Claxton showed like he has the lateral mobility to move and guard guards if he gets switched onto him semi effectively um, the other thing is that he which uh with Georgia how he was one of their or definitely their best player you know it's Georgia he handled the ball a lot like he was he kind of moved. he was you know their point guard in transition a lot of the time so that's that's a plus for him but for me I don't know how much you know that aspect of him doesn't pertain too much to thunder um, right.
2: well okay but what when I look at a guy that's able to, you know, he has some grab-and-go potential, um, I kind of wonder what that could be developed into as, like, a short-roll guy. Like, if you're running a pick-and-roll with him and Schroeder or him and Russ, like, you need a guy that can make the pass off the short-roll. And if you've got a guy that has the at least the basic ball skills to be a grab-and-go ball handler in transition, that might be something that you could develop into as half-court game. hmm
1: yeah um there are some things like he uh this year he improved his shooting at georgia like his free throw percentage went from 52 percent to 64 percent but still only he was only a 28 percent three-point shooter on two attempts per game this year and a lot of a lot of people kind of like what alex was saying with the shot mechanics wasn't a great shooter but his shot looks good, and he's still improving it. So a lot of people project shooting, but it's definitely not there yet. And if the Thunder draft a guy that projects shooting, it's I'm, I'm just going to believe it's not going to get there. <laughs> so I'm 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 not so sure he'll ever shoot the ball at a great clip. Um, so I th- I think he's decent. I think a lot of a lot of his rising came from the combine, and that's just. The combine's important, but guys that rise that much after the combine, it's kind of a, uh, it's a little bit of a red flag for me. Try not to take the combine too terribly much into consideration, just how the way it's it works. Um, see, I'm not, I'm not as sold on Nick Claxton as most people are. Okay. Right. Um, interesting. Uh, I am
0: kind of intrigued, um, in terms of, uh, because to me, there's a lot of stuff here that looks like a, like a modern NBA big, um, you know, two, three attempts a game is significant from a center. Um, even if he's like the only player of note on his team, um, the free throw percentage is bad, um, but improving, um, uh, so attempts massively increased as well
1: um i don't know uh there's there's definitely a lot of potential there with him i for the thunder situation i i i think the common theme for both of us most of the time is you know just getting solid guys that can play right now and i think he could be like a g league guy for the first at least one year all right
0: I, I, I am interested in the possibility that he could become like a really complete modern NBA center, but it's about that possibility and not what he can deliver now.
1: For sure.
2: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why I have him as my number two guy, is because mm-hmm. I, I see that potential. Um, and I, I think that, you know, the value in that is pretty high. And if you're getting that at 21, then that's, that's really right. About-
1: okay.
0: Sam, you're number three.
1: Um, see, I'm kind of not going super in order. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, I am for the most part. I'll, I'll kind of stick with that going in order. My number three, have I mentioned Kentucky yet? Have I talked <laughs> about any Kentucky guys? <laughs> I can't remember, but there's this guy, Tyler Hero from Kentucky, shooting guard. Uh, his length isn't great. He'll, I'll admit that. He's six foot six, one 192, so not... Not a thick guy and a six three and a quarter wingspan. That quarter inch is doing a lot for him. <laughs> um, so negative wingspan, not ideal, but his footwork and his release, like he has a great release, quick release. Um, he can get shots off easily against length. Um, just the way he he comes off screens really well. Um, he gets set, you know, kind of like Landry Shamit, J.J. Redick, like a lot of guys that you right. see you don't think are going to be the best players. He just has that elite skill, and that'll get him far right away. He's, a again, for not being the biggest guy and not having the best length, he's a pretty decent finisher at the rim um, and has pretty good basketball IQ, too. Knows when he's not going to finish in the rim and is very good about dishing it out to finding a guy in the corner or things like that. Um the frame isn't conducive to playing defense obviously, but he is like a high effort guy on defense and pretty, I think you could pretty easily scheme around him being a minus defender. Like he wouldn't, I don't think he'd get exposed all that often, especially with Steven Adams and Paul George around him, or even, you know, if he's playing next to Andre Robertson or something. Um, So yeah, it doesn't, doesn't project to do a whole lot of things, but, when you're picking at 21, I think it's important to get somebody who has at least like an elite skill. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's 30, 35 and a half percent from three this year, uh, 93% from the line. Um, he just, the three point percentage kind of started off the season a little bit cold, just getting used to the game. I mean, he, once he came on, I mean, he was, he was pretty devastating score. Really. I mean, he, his improvement over the season is one of the biggest reasons Kentucky turned into something pretty uh, intimidating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alex, go ahead.
2: So I really have two concerns with Tyler Hero. I don't disagree with really anything Sam said. I actually really like Tyler Hero offensively. Um, obviously, I mean, my number one concern is that he's going to be a guy that gets picked on in the playoffs defensively. Um, their teams are just going to, they're going to hunt him, you know, and that's going to, he's going to have to bring a lot of value offensively to offset that, which I think he can. Um, the problem with his offensive value is that I think in the thunder situation, I don't think I've ever seen the thunder really do a good job of utilizing a player with his skill set. Now they haven't had many players like him, but most of the time when the thunder have a shooter, it's been. Go stand over there, and we'll pass it to you when we need to. You know what I mean? And yeah. if that's what you're doing with Tyler Hero, you're going to be putting an insane amount of pressure on him to shoot, like 50% on those open open catch-and-shoot threes. And I think that that kind of messes with a lot of guys. I remember Doug McDermott like shot like crap for the Thunder for the most part. And I think a lot of it was it was because there was just an insane pressure on him, it was like, you're the white guy that shoots. You have to make this shot. Otherwise, <laughs> you're bringing nothing to this team, you know? Right. Um, so I think that there's – I'm concerned in that way because I think Tyler Hero could bring a lot to a team from, like, his ability to attack closeouts. I think he could get pretty good at I think he could become a guy that could shoot pretty well off the dribble um, and just kind of warp defenses um, pretty effectively. I just don't know if the Thunder are the team that can get that out of him, you know. And it could just turn into a situation where you don't really bring a ton of value offensively because all you do is catch and shoot threes, and you're getting destroyed defensively because he tries really hard defensively. But like, you put him on any kind of NBA wing, like he's gonna struggle to defend that guy,
3: right?
2: Uh, so I, that's my big concern with him. I really, I actually do like him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of slow to kind of jump on the bandwagon for Tyler Hero. Honestly, I was like, I saw a white six-five guard with a minus wingspan, and I was like, no way. But then I actually watched some stuff, and I, you know, read a little bit about him, and I was like, okay, this guy can play in the NBA. Um, I just don't know if that's for the Thunder.
0: Right. Um, so the interesting thing to me about this is that you're obviously correct in that the way the thunder have previously used players with this sort of skill set has been uh not great right like reducing them to standing in the corner um but one thing we've talked about and even talked about on this podcast is that the thunder really need to start finding ways to get shooters involved like coming off curls and uh you know in other actions than just um you know the driving kicks to an open corner Um, because of the way Russ has changed, like the way teams have changed how they defend Russ. Um, And so for me, the question is like, if the Thunder recognize that and make a concerted effort to make that change, then a guy like Hero is actually a really good idea. But if they don't, um, I'd like, if the Thunder just need him to stand in a corner, then he will probably not play, is my thought.
2: Yeah, no, I think you know Billy Donovan has shown pretty consistently that if you can't defend at all, he's gonna be hesitant to put you on the court. And right. I, like, I don't know, I just think that I, I don't know what is gonna change with the Thunder. I haven't seen anything change from the Thunder in a long time. So it's, right. it's kind of, you know, you kind of kind of have to fit players into what you know that they're gonna do. You know, yeah. so. That's, that's really my only concern with Tyler Heroes. I think that – I think if Billy Donovan were to be able to play the way he wants to play and wants his teams to play, I think Tyler Hero would be a great fit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't see that happening. So Okay. Um, Interesting. All yeah. right. Alex, you're number
0: three.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the center position, uh, which – didn't think I was going to be going this this much into the center spot whenever I made this list. But, I don't know, I just kept coming back to it. I'm going with Fiondu Cabangele.
0: I typed that before you said it.
2: Nice. Um, so he is a, a center from Florida State. Um, and really the book on him is that he is a potential stretch five. And that's just really interesting to me. This is a guy that shot... 37 percent from three in his career didn't take a ton of attempts he shot 37 percent on two attempts a game this year um and but he did shoot 76 percent from the free throw line line on five attempts like i think the guy can shoot the basketball um Mm -hmm. he was also in like probably one of the worst offensive systems in college basketball you know like he was really the only guy with any offensive skill on his team Like, I'm sure you didn't watch Florida State, but it was just a bunch of, like, (laughs) tall, athletic guys that didn't really know how to play offense at all. So Mm -hmm. they were good because they were an elite defensive team. Um, And he's just a guy that I think, um, for the Thunder specifically, um, is going to be able to catch and shoot shots from, you know, maybe play some pick and pop with Russ. And, you know, we've seen a guy like this be successful with Serge Ibaka. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't think he's necessarily that kind of impact defender like Serge. Maybe not as mobile, but I think that he has, there's some similarities between what Serge does now and what Cabangeli could do. Um, I think he could be a nice just play finisher. Like, I don't think he's, he's a horrible passer. He doesn't really pass. So he averaged 0.3 assists a game. Like, he's not that kind of player. Right. But from a big man spot for the Thunder. Like, how often is that guy going to pass? Really, like two guys on the Thunder team passes ever. So Mm -hmm. I think that in that way, he could be a really nice fit. And I think he is different enough, again, from Steven Adams to where I I think he's a worthwhile pick to have a guy that can do something totally different from what Adams can do. Mm Mm-hmm right
1: yeah um Go a ahead, lot Sam. of what alex said i do like him a lot when alex and i went over this beforehand so that we made sure not to overlap i like Kevin Gelly a lot i said that on the last podcast we recorded the thing about florida state like alex said how they're just all athletic and lengthy like they're john hammond's wet dream in college basketball the like it's good to get, like with Brandon Clark, it's good to get a like scouting report on him when they play against Florida State. Well, like these are the guys that gelly has been going up against in practice for two years. And it's like, he will be used to NBA length and athleticism and right. things like that, which is a, definitely a plus. Um, the thing with him, the passing, I, I like Alex said, you, you don't pass much in the Thunders offense anyway. But... Still, like, he just absolutely did not pass the ball. Like, I feel like you, you could luck into more assists. Like, you should luck into more assists than point three a game, mm-hmm. just as much as he played. Um, so the bad passing is a little concerning. The shooting is good. It's not on a lot of attempts, but his free throw percentage did improve uh, to 76% this year. So, it's definitely a projecting skill, um, which is, again, with the Thunder, it's troubling to have projectable shooting because it never seems to come to fruition. Um, Other than that, I mean, as a defender, he maybe lacks a little little bit of discipline, but he's incredibly athletic and has great instincts to kind of make up for a lot of it. So... He he's rising up boards a little bit. I would have, I thought he was gonna be more of a late first, early second kind of guy, but he's rising up a bit. I think some people are having him off the board before the Thunder even get the chance at him. Um, so not not a lot, not huge things that are big concerns with him, mm-hmm. really.
2: Yeah, and like one one stat I'm just going through is his advanced stats a little bit. Like the dude has right. a 29 per. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really impressive that's really number. High. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's higher than any player we've talked about so far. Um, and so I just think that, you know, the guy was really productive in a system that wasn't super conducive to being really good, you know, but he was right. good in spite of it. So that is exciting to me. Um, I've kind of got, you know, I started talking about like, oh, I really want smart basketball players for this team. And like the last two guys I've talked about aren't necessarily – that's definitely not their best skill. Um, but I think both of the last two guys I've talked about, it's its mostly just about their fit with the Thunder. And mm-hmm. I think it's pretty seamless um, for what the Thunder want to do.
0: Right. Um, hmm. I look at uh, Kevin Galey and I look at first the passing. And I think that, um, I mean, a lot of what we've said about the Thunders, uh, like what they expect of their centers is uh, true. Um, just like in comparing Cavangeli to Claxton, um, I feel like maybe Cavangeli is a better fit right now,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but Claxton is more of what I would like the Thunder
1: to be in the future. Yeah, um, I think that's a pretty good assessment. Yeah, well,
2: yeah, Well and that's exa- that's why I have Claxton a little higher. I think, yeah, today Cavangeli is a better player. But I think the ceiling is a lot higher for Claxton, right? Um,
0: when we talk about Kevin Cabiglie's defensive discipline, um, this is like that is something I am concerned about because a lot of like, frankly, a lot of the value that Stephen Adams provides as a defender is his um, like is in his discipline and his communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, let's let going more into detail with that like, for, like obviously Florida State is a team that was built on playing defense built around the idea of like we're like NBA size dudes and you're not. Um so like is the like was he just playing was he playing in a system that didn't really require discipline? Um or like, you know, basically what I'm saying is that um if he's in a system that is requiring him to blitz pick and rolls um and help the helper, is he going to be able to do that?
1: Yeah, I honestly don't know much about I think they're they were definitely built on length and athleticism, so I think their defensive scheme they did take a lot of risks as a team because they had the help defense to recover and make up for it. Right.
2: Yeah. Okay. I, I think one of the big things is that I think he just he bites on a lot of fakes, and that's mm. just going to be something he's going to have to learn not to do. Like he's probably going to be a really high foul guy um, when he. I mean, every rookie is Stephen Adams was. You know, right. Foul when he got in the league, and I think that that's something Cabigal is going to have to get get through. I mean, the guy averaged two point six fouls a game, but he only he played twenty one minutes a game. You know, right? Like, so you you busted that up to the per forty. He averaged four point eight fouls per forty minutes as a sophomore. Right. He averaged five point eight as a freshman. So he was very foul happy.
3: Yeah.
0: I think my fav- my favorite thing about Kevin Kelly's statistical total is his usage rate this year.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah it's really high,
0: twenty eight percent. Yeah, for a a six ten like stretch five ish player is really funny.
2: Yep. Um. Very, very
0: high. Okay. Too. Yeah. Florida State, <laughs> they must have been a sight to see this year. Oh yeah, they okay. they were. All right, Sam. Give me your four.
1: My four is going to be, I'm going to go with a uh, guy, Lugans Dort. Um, I decided him to move him up just now. Um, but Lugans Dort, 6'4", 220, with a 6'8 and a half wingspan. I mean, if you look up a picture of this dude, I mean, maybe one of the best athletes behind Zion in this class, just... Incredible athleticism. He is an absolute Presty guy. He has like great lateral agility, like very fast. Um, Had a 38-inch vertical at the combine. Um, Had a very respectable uh, bench press. I think, yeah, he got 14 reps, so he was sixth at the combine in bench press. And if you look at him, like it's not surprising at all. He's absolutely jacked um has the defensive intensity to go with it uh can get baited into fouls because of that every now and then so he'd have to work on that but i mean just an absolute monster on defense um and he looks like it he played at arizona state he played a lot of point guard um so his shooting totals aren't he was a 30 percent three-point shooter but 70% from the line, a lot of that comes from he played point guard, so a lot of his threes were off the dribble. Um, he has a decent-looking shot, a projectable uh, mechanics for his shot, um, but would need to improve his off-ball defense to play at the two because he, again, lacks lacks some discipline and doesn't necessarily have insanely good length to back it up. But he is just like, if you look at him that's a guy you'd want to take in a street fight with you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh. I think that probably a pretty ideal projection for Lou Dort would be a guy like Marcus Smart. Um, you know, he is just kind of a bulldog defensively. You put him on ball and he's just going to make whoever he's guarding's life. Hell, he's got all the physical tools to do that. Um, I, I don't think he has the, I guess the point, I know he played point guard this year. I don't think he has the Marcus Smart point guard skills, right? Uh, which is a lot of what Marcus Smart's value is offensively. Um, I worry about the shot, you know, obviously the, you know, like you said, probably not the role he's going to play in the NBA is that um, off the dribble shooter, but um, it's still, I think it's something, you know, we don't actually know what he is going to be like as a catch and shoot guy. You know, he might not be good at that either. Um, and 70 percent from the line, isn't like a super high number to make you think that, oh yeah, he's probably a lot better as a catch and shoot guy. Um, so that's really my biggest worry. I think for the Thunder specifically, um, I just question their need for another player like this because, You know, like, he's a really high-level physical tools player, but, I mean, they drafted a guy last year in Hamadou Diallo who you could argue is a little similar. He's probably not, I mean, he's a better shooter than Diallo, but you know, they're kind of in the same mold as a player. They're just the super athletic wing that ideally you're looking at a guy who's going to give the other team hell defensively. Um, So, I mean, that's really my biggest concern. I kind of like the guy, honestly, but I do question his ability. Like, you know, he played a lot of point guard, He only averaged two assists a game. Like, so there's, you know, probably some, some work that needs to be done in terms of his ability to create for others. If that's the kind of role he's going to play. Um, and even as like a secondary guy coming off, you know, closeouts or anything, I don't know what his, uh, value from a creation standpoint would be in that regard.
1: Um,
2: but overall, I mean, I don't hate the guy. Like, if, if the Thunder didn't already have guys like Burton and Diallo, I'd probably be kind of in on him because of the athleticism and the tools. But I just – I don't think the Thunder need another player like him.
0: Right. I'm just I'm just looking at the stuff and, like, you know, uh, like, per um, 100, he averaged four assists. Um And then, but with a turnover percentage, like 17%, a usage rate, 27%. -hmm. I just, I don't see, I don't really see the purpose of drafting this guy when you've already got how Diallo, um, like, and obviously like he's probably going to be a better shooter than Diallo just because right, right now, Diallo just doesn't project as a shooter at all, but like the 40, 30, 70 club is not exactly prestigious, um. (laughs) uh yeah i i don't know i don't know if i believe in lou dort
1: yeah this this pick was definitely one i like him a lot it's definitely one that's like projecting out what sam presti's board looks like but yeah right. with with burton and diallo already there and then misses on guys like houston and players of that ilk it might be a little concerning to take a guy like that again and again and again right like because i just but in a vacuum big right. fan of the guy like
0: if he was on the floor with russell westbrook what does he do right um and like maybe he can be a really good off-ball guard but like
3: what are you basing that on uh all right alex your fourth guy
1: Alex, Alex, I think you're muted.
2: Yeah, my bad. Uh, <laughs> okay. so this At guy, least we didn't
1: let you go on too long. <laughs>
2: right, yeah. Um, this guy, I've kind of gotten away from my I want smart basketball players type, but I'm getting back to that in a big way with this one. Uh, I've got Grant Williams from Tennessee and this guy is almost entirely like my affinity for him is built pretty much entirely around his how, just how good at basketball he is, you know, like he does a lot of starting place. Yeah. He does a lot of things really well. He was an incredibly productive college basketball player. Like he was a two time SEC player of the year. Um, He put up the raw stats. He, you know, did a lot of nice things in his college career that, make me think that he's going to figure out how to be an effective NBA player. He's not going to be an effective NBA player doing the things that he did in college, but I think he's a smart enough and skilled enough player to find a role in an NBA system. Um, And like, honestly, this guy might not be a good fit for the thunder (laughs) Um, (laughs) because, you know, again, it's like, are they going to cultivate his skill set, you know, are they going to find a way to make a guy that makes really good decisions with the basketball effective offensively, you know? Um, But if you just look at the package that he provides, I mean, if you were to play him with Steven Adams, like that's the most physically imposing front court in the league, you know? Mm -hmm. I think he's a guy that fits with Steven Adams and Jeremy Grant. I mean, things with Steven Adams are kind of weird because he's not a great shooter yet, but a lot of people are projecting him to be a decent shooter. His shot looks good. He shot 82% from the line this year. He's a career 76% free throw shooter. So I think that there's some optimism about what he could be as a shooter, Um, and he is already a pretty good mid-range shooter. So I think that there's some value there. And then defensively, the guy's just one of the smartest defenders. He was one of the smartest defenders in the country this year. Like he doesn't have elite physical tools to be like this elite defender, but like the guy's an insanely smart help defender, and he was able to get the most out of his physical tools.
3: Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, Sam, go ahead. Again with Alex and I, we like a lot of the same players. I'm a fan of Grant Williams. Um, the thing with him, you know, being um, six, seven and a half, and with a six nine and three quarters wingspan, not ideal for your small ball center, which is you know you'd prefer him to be maybe six nine with a six eleven wingspan. That'd be a lot more preferable, but that's probably his best position to fit at with in the modern NBA. Um, I do do like the fit next to Steven Adams, though, so that would be good. The thing with his shooting is like he was a good a good shooter. His shot looks good, free throws were good. He only took 46 attempts this year, which is like why, you know, why don't you have more confidence in your own shot to take it? You're your team's best player. Like you'd like him to take shots and like help his team out, but a lot of that is, you know, his basketball IQ. I think a lot of he's passing up good shots for try and get better shots for teammates instead of taking, you know, what's a might be a 35% shot for him. Um yeah, really the only thing he doesn't have the most ideal length to play his best position and doesn't maybe have the athleticism to make up for it. He does have the strength though. He had the most bench press reps at the combine uses his leverage really well um but you know if he's not playing that five his quickness doesn't really help as a switchable defender and that that's that's really the only thing is that he's not not very switchable and the best so the best position he has at guarding he's just a little bit undersized to maybe most effectively do that yeah right Um,
0: interesting. You know, I look at a lot of this and, um, is, is, is Grant Williams just like dollar store Zion?
1: I mean, it's, Uh, it's, it's not, not quite that level, but
2: it's close. Yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, he's the way he kind of attacks the game, I guess you could say is similar. Um, he just, you know, not, even close to the athlete Zion, right? Is, right. You know that's yes. Like, you know, he's probably at this stage. You know, he's a probably he's a better shooter at this stage than Zion. But um yeah, like I guess size-wise, they're relatively similarly sized players.
0: Right. Um, but obvious, Zion, obviously, obviously, the
2: athlete bigger. Zion is. Yeah, Zion's like just a bigger person. You know, he weighs mm. a lot more, but. Uh, yeah, Grant Williams, is he's a big, imposing guy that, you know, I think, again, you put him with Steven Adams, they're going to be pushing a lot of teams around. And maybe that's what the Thunder, like, the Thunder aren't doing that well at beating teams. You know, maybe they just need to do their own thing and just be like, we're just going to be stronger and more physically imposing than everybody. Like, they've kind of tried that, but maybe they just need to go all in and just, we're just going to push teams around down low, right. you know?
0: Right. Well, the thing the thing I am liking about this is like the combination of like physically imposing and like intelligent basketball player. Right. Yeah, because um, yeah. that's like that's like not what you were getting from like the Ennis Cantor, Stephen Adams front court.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. Um.
0: So, yeah, I think this I think Grant Williams is kind of an intriguing prospect.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, very, very intriguing to me. Also, the Jonathan Gavoni has some size comps for him. And he's an inch shorter and has an inch smaller wingspan than Mike Scott. And, you know, he was really, he, he's a four. And then he's a half inch taller and in the same exact wingspan as Shimmy Ogilay, who's with the Celtics. Yes, right. And so, I mean, th- those guys are both decidedly not fives. And so the size is really. Right. I mean, if, if he's two inches taller, I think he's a top 10 pick. Right. Um, I just. Yeah, it's
0: if there is if he is able to guard something in the NBA, then I think that he is a great prospect.
1: Yeah, um, and we've certainly we've certainly seen. I mean, P.J. Tucker is six, and the Rockets best lineup is with him at center. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, he's they're not the same kind of caliber of athlete. But I mean, it's it's definitely possible and he's a smart enough player to do it. Right. Um, what are his rebound percentages?
3: Oh. Well,
0: I don't know nearly enough about rebound percentages to know if that's good or not. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's a number.
0: That, that sure is a number. Um, I look at his three-point shooting, um, and it's just all over the place, which is really strange. Like, he shot 37% on one attempt a game his freshman year, when he was only shooting 66% from the line. Um, and then his sophomore year, he shot less than one attempt a game at, like, 12%. Um, but also, he shot like 10% better from the line. So, I don't know. His three-point shooting's all over the place, but 82% from the line is really good.
2: Yeah, I, um, think, I think with him, like the optimist in me says that, like Sam was saying earlier, I think he should have probably taken more threes. He just mm-hmm. didn't feel like it was like maximizing a possession because, like, he's always trying to, you know, he's being a really smart player and knowing mm-hmm. that. Yeah, me taking a three probably isn't the best shot for my team right now, um, and I think it's reasonable to think that if he would have put up more threes, that it's entirely possible that number could have gone up. Um, I don't think it would have been lower. Like I think at least like I think thirty two percent is probably on the lower end of what the outcomes could have been from him from three, um, but just based on the development he made overall as a shooter,
0: right? Um. Yeah, man, I am really intrigued by him, but I feel like he's got to be able to at least attempt to be able, like he's got to be at least like competent in guarding like wings for yeah. him to work in the NBA.
2: Yeah, no, I agree.
0: Um, so that's in- that's an interesting prospect. Um, I'm I'm really torn about that. Uh, Sam, give me five.
1: Uh, my last guy is. Not, not a lot to say about him, um, so it'll be quick as we try and wrap up here. My last guy is Cameron Johnson, uh, Cam Johnson for short, from North Carolina, previously from Pittsburgh. Um, the best shooter in the draft, I don't think that's really debatable because you don't. He he is the oldest player projected in the first round and possibly one of the oldest players that's going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. He was a grad transferred UNC. So he was in college for five years. Um, but I mean, shot 40% over 40% from three for his career on almost five attempts per game shot 40, almost 46% on 5.8 attempts this year at North Carolina. Um, six foot eight and a half, six ten wingspan. So the length to get off pretty much any shot he wants, um, uh, a decent he's not a elite defender by any means, but he is a, a decent positional defender. He is an easy fit to put in any offense, any defense, can play the three or stretch four a little bit. Um, a pretty pretty low ceiling guy. He's been in college so long, you, you know what he is, but like I said, he has an elite skill that the Thunder desperately need, and it is easily projectable. Right, Alex. And Alex, yeah. you muted there.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm back. Um, so my deal with Cam Johnson is I don't know. Like, obviously, like the dude can shoot the crap out of the basketball. Like, I'm not concerned about that at all. Um, and I, so I think at the very least, like if you draft him, you're getting a three, t- three slash four that can shoot the ball, which is and cool. you're
1: getting a ready-made player. I mean, he is, like I said, 23 years old. He is good to go right now.
2: Yeah, um, but you also might be getting Anthony Morrow defensively. Um, Like, the dude's not – I don't think he projects as a good defender in the NBA. Um, I don't think he's going to be strong enough to play the four very often. Like, I know, like, you know, the three and the four has, you know, become a little bit, you know, interchangeable. But, like, I think the guy's going to struggle to guard any, you know, strong wing just in general, like the guy's not a strong player at all, kind of a Mm -hmm. wiry dude. Um, So that's my big concern with him. And he doesn't make up with it for, you know, with lateral quickness to where like, well, maybe he can guard twos or something. Um, I just, I don't see defensive value from him, you know, and that, that's always a concern, you know, like, you know, same type thing I was talking about with Tyler hero is that like to get the most value out of him offensively from the thunder, they're gonna to need to do some run some stuff for him. And, you know, he might just be this catch and shoot guy, which should be good at, but if he's given up a lot defensively, then I don't really think it's worth it, you know, mm-hmm. for what he's giving you offensively. But overall, like, I don't dislike him. I think in the playoffs you're gonna have a hard time playing him. Um, at least big minutes. Like if, you know, you get any kind of good wing or any kind of four in the game with any kind of strength, then I just don't think he's going to be able to match up very well with that.
0: Right. I um I'm so torn because like you know, 6 attempts a game, 45%. That's amazing. Um and yet like if it if you can't play him in the playoffs, like there's a real good chance that he just wouldn't play at all. And right. so that's really frustrating um i don't know how i feel about camp johnson it's um and i don't like i just i don't i just if he doesn't play then it's pointless to draft him but yep. he is like he so clearly addresses the thunders most obvious need um
2: yeah so that's,
0: yeah that's so that's frustrating
2: I think a guy like him will help you win regular season basketball games. Like I don't, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I just think at the highest level, you're, you're probably not going to be able to have him on the court. Um, and so that that's tough. And also just again, like the thunder, if they had, if they had shown me more and they had like found a way to make Doug McDermott effective, like we know he can be like, I would think a guy like Cam Johnson would actually fit really well. Um, but they've had guys like this before, that they've kind of just wasted
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i uh well now (laughs) i was a little surprised that he would was somebody's five given how like this is a pick i think that people have projected uh the thunder making at this spot but um no i i can definitely understand the hesitancy it's yeah yeah um Because I just, I don't know if the Thunder need help in the regular season. I mean, they will. But really, like, the Thunder have got to make the second round. And if Cam Johnson isn't a player, who can help you make the second round. And, like, fundamentally, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. And he's so old.
2: Yeah, he's old. Um, Okay, you want me to go to my five? Yeah, your five. All right. So my, my number five is a little tricky because he's going to be coming off an ACL injury that he tore in March. Okay. Um, so I mean you're you're not getting anything from him as a rookie, like which is fine. Like I don't really care that much. Like it's it'd be nice to get an impact player this year, but generally rookies are bad anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got Chuma Okiki from Auburn. Um, say a, that one more time. Chuma Okiki from okay. auburn um he's a 6 8 230 pound like 3 4 um which i really like his physical profile for the nba um he's a guy i think he's going to be able to play a lot of four in the nba um and you know three as well um but the guy is a pretty well-rounded player he shot you know 38 39 percent in his two years and or yeah he's a career 39 percent three-point shooter at auburn um, on over three attempts a game, you know, he shot 70 percent from the line, not great, but it, you know, it's not a super big red flag or anything. It was mm-hmm. a really good rebounder, average seven rebounds a game this year. Um, so I, I see a guy that is going to be able to play the four and stay on the court pretty consistently. You know, he's a stronger guy than a guy like Cam Johnson. Um, so he's not going to get pushed around as much, um, by bigger wings and by fours. So I just, I see a guy, you know, not super dissimilar from Cam Johnson in terms of the position they would play, but I just think he would be able to play that position more often. You know, like he, he's not going to provide the value in the shooting and he doesn't have that one elite skill um, that Cam Johnson has, but he's good at more things. And I think that that makes him a more valuable player overall.
0: Right. Sam. Sam. Tell me about yeah. his ACL.
1: Um, so it's not great, obviously. Um, went down a horrific way on Auburn's final four run. Um, it's a little concerning that even before that, he was kind of projected about where he is now. He came back for his sophomore year because he was projected kind of low and then still was projected around. Right now, he's kind of being projected high second round. Um, and that's where he was before he went on this four game run in the tournament. And then a lot of people kind of had him rising up, maybe late first round after that. And then he tears the ACL and he's right back to where he was before. So like, I think it might've been a bit of an overreaction to move him up so high after just a four game run. Anyway, um, the way Auburn played, it's very easy for them to get hot and then look really awesome. And that's just what he did. Um, He's not the most athletic guy, and so being 6'8", he's probably not going to defend threes a lot because he's not um, fast enough. So you'd kind of like him to, you know, 230, He's and he's pretty strong, so respectable enough to defend fours. But he can't really add much more bulk, you would think, without getting slower and then possibly not being able to defend fours. So he's kind of where he is at size-wise, like where he's going to stay. Um, so it's really just a a worry, of kind of a lack of athleticism, then obviously it's not going to get better in the year off with the spins with the torn ACL. Um, so it's very – it's at least good, you know, he's not a guy that relies on his athleticism and then tore his ACL, um, but he didn't have a lot of wiggle room to spare with that. So the – I mean, any ACL tear is very, very troubling. And at this point, you just – You don't, since it happened so recently, he hasn't done really any recovery yet. So you really, I don't think you'd be able to get a good indication on like how well he's going to recover from this yet. So it's, it's definitely a risk to take up at 21. That's the kind of guy I would, I would love if the Thunder, my ideal draft for him. And we can talk about this just briefly after you give your overall thoughts, um, I would love for the Thunder to trade back, maybe with like Philly, who has two consecutive high second-round picks. Um, try and get a couple second-round picks up there. Take take someone uh, that would be just a solid fit right away, and then also get Chuma Okiki that could be a, a a project that you're not you know counting on this year. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah, um, that, that, he is definitely the biggest reach that I had. I just like him as a prospect. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm I'm a, a, a fan good. for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's mostly projected in the second round uh, from what I've seen. Like, very few services or anything have him high in the first round. So, I just – I'm a fan.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so,
2: that brings us – yeah, now it's time for you. Have you compiled a top five –
0: uh, sort of. I'm sort of going to do this on the fly. Um, I think, um, I think my, my five... number... You yeah, want me to go five to one? Okay. Two, five to one. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, look in here. Um. <laughs> I think in fifth, I probably have, um chuma okay um just because i th- i think he might be playable in the playoffs where cam johnson isn't
3: um
0: mm-hmm. but that is entirely dependent on whether or not uh he is able to like be an nba player coming off of this injury um i think at, at my number 4 i probably go um uh Cabin Gale. Okay. Um and then uh my number three is gonna be Grant Williams. Uh and then I'm gonna say two is Nikhil Alexander Walker and one is PJ Washington. And zero uh is trade the pick, which is actually probably maybe what they should do.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Um, see. The good thing is, like, all of this is going to happen. Like, the Anthony Davis trade is probably going to be done before the draft. The Thunder, whatever they're going to do, is going to be done probably before the draft. So it's all coming up within, like, the next week. Right. stuff to look forward to as NBA fans.
0: Right. I Um, love it when my team trades their pick for cap relief. Um,
1: Yeah, Yeah. I just hope there's a way, like, uh, Sam Bassini completely speculated a trade for the thunder that, um, you know, they trade with the Pelicans to get like their high second round picks, like number 39, I think give them the first and Andre Robertson as cap relief and then get one more in return because the thunder hoping to relieve cap space and get a playable veteran in return, right. which is, you know, sure. Everyone would love that. Um, right. If that's the case, then awesome. And I think there's a lot of a lot of guys in that in that range. Like that—that's the thing with this draft is that you know for a long time it's been regarded as you know a weak draft, but I think it's a very deep draft, and there's some potential steals like in the twenty-five to forty-five range. Like there are some good players. Like Chumo Kiki could be a top fifteen player in this draft if he comes back healthy. Like there's right. just a lot of guys that you can get from trading back
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah yeah like looking at these 10 guys i will say that the only ones that i would be like uh if the thunder drafted um would be um lou dort um cam johnson uh kind of chuma just because i d- you never know um and then i wasn't super sold on kelvin johnson um
2: yeah, that's,
0: I'm, I'm honestly, I'm surprised you didn't put Nick Claxton in your top five. Bit disappointing. Well, I know. I Well, that's my, because th- I really like the idea of Nick Claxton, but I don't think it's the move the Thunder would make. I don't, right. like, unless um, they really wanted Kamengeli and he was off the board.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, because I just, like, I think Kamengeli more fits what the Thunder think they want out of a backup center, even yeah. if I think that maybe Nick
1: Claxton is yeah if the thunder if shooter. the Thunder, you know, trading Russell Westbrook and going full tank, then you'd probably move Nick Claxton higher.
0: Yeah. But- yeah. I mean I just Claxton, Williams, like I agree with Alex that in general I wish the Thunder had more like just a good group of smart basketball guys. Because yeah. um though with with Williams my thing is like the Thunder, what the Thunder would really need is a smart basketball guy who can address their lack of wing depth. And if Williams can't be a wing, then it won't be him. But if he could be a wing, I think that would be an awesome pick.
1: Well, that's, that's kind of a guy that I would like. We can real quick while we're wrapping up, do some off the cuff, second round guys. If the Thunder do end up trading back Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams teammate is a great wing. Just, I mean, His play is very indicative of his name. Like, if you can look at a guy that's as jacked as he is with the name Admiral Schofield, he's just a super tough dude um, and a great shooter, too. He shot 42% from three this year as a senior on 4.8 attempts a game, and the year before shot 40% on four and a half attempts per game. So, I mean, a solid shooter. His free throw percentage went down every season, which is weird, but... You know, <laughs> makes him a perfect thunder player. Right. He didn't attempt a lot of free throws per game. He's awesome. Um, he he's one of those great. guys. That
2: I don't really understand why he's not higher. You know, I like I like him quite a bit. Like I guess the the knock on him is his just mobility defensively to save right. and stuff. And but
1: everyone loves the guys you can project, and he's already yep. you know 22 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. another guy that I like a lot that won't get talked about a lot and probably won't ever end up on the thunder so it won't matter is mie oni from yale i
3: just
1: think i just think he's awesome like i don't understand why he's not talked about more he scored very well i guess the only game he was in a big spotlight on was the lsu game in the tournament and he wasn't great in that but i mean he's has a plus five wingspan like a yeah. great wing can shoot the ball, can score, can rebound. Like I just think he's great, and so I think I'd love the Thunder to get two second-round picks and get like if they got Schofield and Mieowni, like I think that'd be awesome.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I really like Mieowni a lot. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go with one dude that is super interesting to me, and he is like he is the old-school Thunder mold, um, Darius Baisley is is my guy i think he'd be worth a a flyer you know in the early second if they were to do that you know kind of trade back situation um the dude's just a really really athletic dude um you know six foot nine about 200 pounds right now he projects really as a as a three four type um and i actually i really the first time i saw him was at the nba combine and the dude hit a couple like pull-up mid-range shots and i kind of fell in love with that (laughs) <laughs> um it's not something he's done consistently but like just seeing it once or twice you're like oh he can do it you know so it's it's i don't know I, I like him a lot and i mean he might be a guy that goes late first round he's projected in the late first and on the espn but he's a guy that i would like to take a flyer on just for the athleticism and the upside
1: yeah there's just so many guys we could talk about darius Bailey's definitely going to the trailblazers though in the first round probably Yes. Um because that's just they did it with Anthony Simons and yes. it would be very funny if they took all him. Right. But like there's Daquan <laughs> Jeffries from Tulsa um from went to Edmund Santa Fe. So I I hope if he doesn't get drafted, the Thunder give him a two way. I mean we could go all day on this, but we definitely oh, gotta wrap up.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right, right, right. Okay. Do we have anything else we need to
2: talk about? Um, I don't think so. Um I mean there, I'm sure by the time You know, by the end of the day, there'll probably be something insane happen that we will have wanted to talk about and we'll have missed our chance. But that's fine. Right. Uh, Still eight days away. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got.
0: Okay. Um, well, thanks for listening to the Oklahoma drill. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, leave us a review or share it with a friend. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlexPPurdy, at RW Maxie, and at not that Sam Davis. Uh, and we'll see you next time.